Welcome to Dental Dilemmas, brought to you by the ADA Council on Ethics, Bylaws, and Judicial Affairs, and I am your host, Alex Mellion. For this episode, we have a different format in store. In previous recordings, we have reviewed Ethical Moment articles. With this episode, we are going to have a discussion with Dr. Scott Morrison, a current member of the ADA Board of Trustees. At the time of this interview, he was received as ADA Board Liaison. I've gotten to know Dr. Morrison over the last year and have been looking forward to this episode. We discuss many ethical principles in this discussion and look at Sibja from a different angle, and I'm excited to give you a unique perspective of the ADA. Dr. Morrison, thank you for joining us here at SmileCon. Um, I've been really enjoying doing these interviews in person, and I know how busy of meeting this is for you, and um, thanks for sitting down. You serve as the um, ADA Board of Trustees liaison to Sibja this year. And it's been a pleasure getting to know you um, and to spend time talking about um, some other things in dentistry from with some conversations we've had. So yes. today we're yeah same for me yeah I know I've, I've enjoyed it greatly. Today we're just discussing ethics and being a board member um, at the ADA. So a little different discussion that we're not going to cover an article specifically. But um, before we just start talking about ethics from kind of the the board standpoint from where you're at. Um, please uh, tell me a little bit about yourself and where you practice. Sure, Alex, and thanks for having me here today. Uh, my name is Scott Morrison. Uh, Perry Don is from Omaha, Nebraska. Born and bred there. Traveled uh, about 50 miles west of there to go to dental school at the University of Nebraska. Um, did a general practice residency once I, I got out of dental school. Um, and then I was I started to get involved in Perio in my residency program. And, uh, and so I was uh, interested in Perio and ended up um, in an off cycle as far as applications were concerned and ended up applying uh, to a couple of Perio programs and ended up at the University of Missouri, Kansas City. Uh, did my Perio training there. I was married at that time, but um, we decided that we needed to get back home because kids were coming and uh, moved back to Omaha in 1990 and enjoyed a periodontal practice there for almost 32 years. Wonderful. Well, thanks for giving us a little bit of that background. And how did you, yeah, absolutely. How did you select dentistry as a career path? And also from an organized dentistry standpoint, how did your involvement kind of lead you to where you are today? Um, yeah, dentistry was something that I had on my mind early. And that, I, I know for some people that sounds kind of strange, but uh, enjoyed going to my dentist as a kid. And, um, and he'd allow me to sit in the old Ritter chair on the, on the left side where his assistant went. He worked by himself. And so when my parents were getting treated, he, he would let me sit over there. So it was an interest from an early age. And I think by the time I was a sophomore in high school, I decided I wanted to go to dental school. Um, so kind of set my sights that way. And, and, uh, and it was uh, a goal, I guess, and that was finally fulfilled and, and excited to be in the profession. Um, in regards to organized dentistry, I, I'm not sure it was a choice for me. Once I got back to Omaha, the um, guy I associated with um, kind of expected me to go. And it was easy because it was, you know, um, he was going to take me there and, and introduce me and do those kind of things. And I know that's kind of a, a situation that I, I'd like to see more involved today as far as each one reach one kind of situation to um, keep our membership going. But um Got involved, started out as a local secretary, uh, worked my way up, was president of the State Dental Association, actually two years, or I'm sorry, two terms, 
um, and enjoyed that and, and then uh, worked my way up through ADA councils. I was on CGA, um, I was on CMERP or uh, membership insurance and, and retirement programs. Um, and enjoyed that and decided to run for trustee. And here I sit today as uh, the 10th district trustee. Great. Now switching to a few questions on ethics. Um, the ADA works with many different organizations and then what are some of the ethical considerations you have to consider in your role as an ADA trustee or a board member when working with these groups? Yeah, first of all, as a board member, um, and I know you know this as, as you've sat on some councils, is there's conflict of interest and confidentiality issues that you have to consider at every meeting. And so that that brings itself to, to issues and in, in, in specifically in regards to confidentiality of, of when you're exposed to proprietary information, um, there's embargoes on decisions, the resolutions, those kind of things, and then um, there's concepts and ideals that are discussed at the board level that you just have to be, uh, you know, you cannot talk about those issues. And that's something that um, I think, I don't know if we struggle with that, but sometimes we as dentists like to talk about things that um, we need to keep confidential. So um, those have always been concerns or issues at the board level. I think when we're dealing with different associations, um, we end up um, sometimes being the 800-pound gorilla in the room. And as the ADA, um, you know, is, is the largest uh, association in the U.S., dental association in the U.S., and probably in the world, um, that we have to enter into those discussions being humble and collegial. Um, and we need to see other organizations as equal. So I don't know if that's an ethical issue, but it certainly is a moral issue and, and something that um, I think we need to do better at. Um, and, and I think overall ADA um, is no longer going to be the mothership to all the different tripart. Um, we've all got to work together and, and get things done as a, as a group and not thinking of the ADA as the top of the rung. The ADA is at the same level as the state and certainly same, same level as the local association. So um, that's something I think from an ethical standpoint we have to kind of consider. No, I appreciate that perspective. Um, and then each ADA trustee comes from one of uh, 17 trustee districts, but ultimately you are on the board of trustees to represent the best interests of the ADA and not necessarily your district as a board member. Um, has this been a difficult position and how do you explain it to your constituents in your district? Well, first as a trustee, you kind of have to have it explained to you because um, I think your obvious perception is, is that you're representing uh, for my case, it's Minnesota, Iowa, North Dakota, South Dakota, and Nebraska, um, that I'm representing um, just that district. And I'm not representing just that district, I'm representing all ADA members. Um, and so when I make a decision or consider making a decision at the board, it has to be that for all members. So some ways uh, people will approach you or members will approach you and they'll talk about um, what about this issue. This is not really what we see as as something that's uh, valuable to the Midwest. Um, and we have to kind of get over that and realize that it, it, it's all our members that, that are in the decision-making process. Um, you know, probably the most difficult part is dealing with a member that doesn't uh, agree with the board decision. So um, you have to listen to both sides, and, and I think we do consider both sides before we make some of those decisions. But um, ethically, I think um, 
again, it comes back to making decisions for everybody and not just our district. No, absolutely. You recently served as the trustee liaison to CEPJA. Um, what was your biggest takeaway working with this group and uh, being a part of CEPJA? Yeah, probably, um, I, don't, I don't want to say it was a shock, but I was amazed at how dedicated um, CEPJA is to our profession. And it, it's dealing with subject matter that's it's not exactly sensational. And right. You're looking at a governance manual or a bylaws manual, and you're looking at the way words are formed and commas and, and things of that nature, and, and dealing with making it easier for a lay member to understand our governance process. That's very important, and um, to see how intense um, you know the council members were at making those decisions right. and trying to determine uh, what's the best interest of our members was amazing. Um, you know, as far as uh, the th other things that I saw that were uh, kind of a surprise to me is the ethical dilemmas. And, and to be honest with you, um, I didn't know there was an ethical dilemma in, the, in JADA. You know, the Journal of American Dental Association publishes ethical dilemmas. And since then, I've kind of gone back and even started reading some of my old journals. Uh, and look at it, at, looking at things there. Um, so I didn't know they did that. Um, I think that's huge um, for our profession. Probably the most thing uh, that I was literally amazed at, I think, as far as uh, how it developed was this podcast. And so the ethical moments that, you know, I, I know you didn't start with the first one, but I've done every one since. Um, that started, I think, as an idea or a concept in March. Right. And I think by July you had five podcasts in the bank. So um, that was impressive. And in some ways I think we get criticized at the ADA uh, for taking so long to get things done. Um, and, you know, I I've thought that was a great idea from the get-go from our discussions at, at the council. But um, that was impressive to see something come about. Uh, I hope it gets, it blows up and, and goes, you know, viral, I guess, if, if ethics can go viral. But um, I think that'd be a great thing for uh, recognizing the council for because they did some tremendous things in that regard. Yeah, no, this has definitely been kind of work in the entire council, and it's been a great to be part of it. Yeah, and I, I left with a great deal of respect for CJ and the work that Tom Elliott does that, Meredith Bailey does, that Bruce Burton does, and really the whole council, it was amazing to see that happen. Uh, very impressed. Great. Um, and then what do you think the ADA can do to, um, in some degrees, put ethics at the forefront of dentistry? And that's the, the motto that we, we talk about at CEPJA, but what do, you, what do you think are some avenues that the ADA can do that to uh, keep ethics at the forefront? And you already talked about how it's not necessarily something that's always sensational, but as we've had a lot of these conversation, it's something that conversations that are need to be had. Yeah, and I think it's very important, but I don't know if ethics will ever be at the forefront of dentistry, but it has to be at the backstop of dentistry. Um, if we want to continue uh, with a profession that it's highly respected as it is, we have to have ethics as a, as a core value. And so if we can't strengthen and maintain that and keep that at a high level, I think our profession is, is doomed as far as the, the level of respect that we get now. So I think 
I think ethics is important. And, and, and again, like I said before, it's not as sensational, I think, as everybody looks at, but it's important. And one of the things I think that dentists, um, you know, tend to have issues with ethics is there's no right answer. Right. Uh, we're so objective and so regimented to what we do that ethics doesn't fit into a perfect category. Um, every time I read an ethical dilemma and I use those in, in teaching a residency program, um, there's always a different answer. Um, and it's usually always a right answer. So I think dentists um, sometimes shy away from, from ethics because they don't know the ex perfect answer for every, everything. But that's the way life is. And um, I think ethics has to be at the forefront. So, um, uh, you know, uh, the, the, I hope this podcast starts to appeal to dentists because I think that would be a great way um, to continue to expand ethics in our profession. Um, I think we need to continue to engage ACD. Um, ACD, or American College of Dentists, is, is basically formed on ethics. Engage with ACD, ADA. I think it really needs to begin at the at the student level. And like I said, I teach ethics at University of Nebraska and at Creighton. Um, and so I, I think it's um, it's where it has to start. Now, it's obviously ethics have started long before we see right. uh, these students in dental school. So there has to be some basis there to work with. But I think it needs to be impressed upon the dental students because they're going to be in an ethical you know, dilemma, if you want to call it that, um, the rest of their practice life. Um, and if they don't have guidelines that really probably are, are somewhat simple, let's do the right thing uh, for the patient. And if they can kind of take that home, I think that's, that's going to be our uh, shining light in the future as far as um, keeping ethics high in, in dentistry. I, I couldn't agree more. I think ethics is really a, a large part of what makes dentistry a profession. And I think that, that what you said is couldn't be more true. Yeah, and the quality of the profession, I think. Right. You know, dentists always rate really high as far as professions go. And, and I think that's part of doing the right thing. Um, you know, as a profession uh, overall, I think we've done that. And then you just recently got back from the FDI meeting in Switzerland. Um, do you find that our international colleagues have the same ethical issues as, as we do in the U.S.? Yeah, it was a great meeting. Um, had a good time there and really met some people that um, are that open your eyes to what dentistry is about and what life is about. And to be honest, they have the same ethical issues that we have. They're dealing them, with them, though, from a multitude of exponentially different problems. Um, there are underdeveloped countries uh, dentists that I've talked to in underdeveloped countries, their biggest concern is the lack of clean water, the lack of protein or food um, that that's you know keeps their patients healthy, um, and the lack of appropriate vaccinations. Um, you know, we kind of take it for granted that measles is not an issue or concern, but measles is a huge issue in, in some of the underdeveloped countries. So they get past those two or three things, the clean water and the food especially, um, and then they can get to the dentistry part of things. So um, ethics uh, is the same, but it, it comes from a little bit different problem or perspective um, as far as our, our friends. Now, there are other countries, um, you know, that were represented at, at the FDI. 
and um, and they have exactly the same issues that we have. Oh, thank you for that. And throughout your, your career as a uh, periodontist, you have worked with both undergraduate students and graduate students, which are already talked on a little bit, but what are some either ethical situations that you have encountered with them, or um, what are some of the principles that you really try to focus on when you're lecturing to students? Yeah, I think um, for the most part, the undergrad and the grad students do a really good job as far as ethics is concerned, because, and I think it's because most of us as dental students really had a um, and I think I hope throughout our career have the patient as the foremost concern in their in their practice. Um, I, I see some things that are going on now um, in regards to the social media, um, and so as an academician or someone that's uh, teaching, um, I, I don't do a lot of social media, but I know I go down social media and I see uh, pictures of procedures that students have done. Um, posted and um, we're going to have to talk about that as far as is that that the ethical thing to do. First of all, does the patient give him permission to take that picture and post it? Um, I know the student's excited about some procedure they've done and you know maybe their first procedure or really high quality level procedure that they've done um, but you know that's probably not the position we want to be in as a profession to start posting uh, social media pictures in that, that respect. So that's that's something I think uh, uh, Adia is looking at too and, and kind of addressing um, where that fits into, into the curriculum too. Um, as a periodontist, there's always issues I think um, in regards to over-treatment. I see perio as something that um, can very easily be misused I think. Um, I see a lot of uh, times in my, in my practice where a 25-year-old uh, comes in with a couple of fours, maybe one or two fives, and they've been um, treatment planned for full mouth scaling and root planing. And that becomes a concern for me because, um, one, there's no attachment loss, two, there's no radiographic bone loss. They don't really have periodontal disease. They haven't been in for the dentist for a while. They just need to be cleaned up and then maybe reevaluated. And if there still is a four or a five somewhere, then maybe they need some localized scaling and root planing. But periodontal treatment, I think, is, is at least in my mind, is very easily, um, you know, over treatment of periodontal diseases is very easily done. When you see that, do you what discussion do you have with the initial provider? How do you approach that? Yeah, so um, that's a tough, that, that's an ethical dilemma. <laughs> right. Um, so, um, you know, most of the time it, it's a referral from a parent um, that, that knows me or, or sometimes I get a patient in just as a new patient. Um, so sometimes I don't have to deal with it because it's, you know, patient or parent referred, but um, that becomes an issue to me to develop or to, to explain to that parent what um, the other dentist is doing. And there's an ethical concern there is that uh, I want to be fair to the other dentist, um, but at the same time do the uh, right treatment by the patient. Now there are times when I get referrals in um, for that and, and you just have to call the dentist and um, you know we learned this morning I think to be kind um, you just got to explain exactly where you see things, and that's kind of where things are. But um, 
you know, to be truthful and, and to be set boundaries as far as where you think this treatment should go and where it shouldn't go um, is actually being kind, as we learned uh, this morning in a, in a lecture. Um, that's, that kind of helps to set things up and, and be fair to everybody that's involved. Along those lines, what does being an ethical dentist mean to you, and how do you apply that just in lecturing or teaching now and how did you apply it in your practice for a number of years? I think as far as an ethical dentist it comes down to basically doing the right thing. Um, you know it's never uh, the wrong time to do the right thing and it's never a right time to do the wrong thing. Um, so if you keep that in mind, keep the patient in mind, I think that's that's important um, and you'll, you'll do well from that aspect. It, there's a lot of discussion you know in our code of ethics and about uh, uh, patient autonomy and malfeasance and beneficence and those kind of things, but it kind of simply boils down to doing the right thing um, and keeping the patient foremost uh, in your mind as far as your concerns are, or keeps you ethical. Um, I, there's one kind of quote, I guess, that I, I, I kind of look at, um, Potter Stewart, who was um, uh, an associate justice on the Supreme Court um, had a lot of quotable things that, that he said, but uh, he said uh, that ethics is knowing the difference between what you have a right to do and what is right to do. Um, and so I think that that leaves me with the right mindset to go see my patients uh, every day. No, I think that's wonderful. Um, and then. I know as a Board of Trustees member, in combination with CAM, you have a pretty active role here at SmileCon, but what things are you excited about and uh, what have you enjoyed so far? Yeah, this isn't your uh, father's ADA convention, <laughs> yeah. um, if I can use that term. Um, this is a whole different ball of wax as far as uh, conventions are concerned. There's things going on here right on the floor today. Um, I just got through packing. Uh, a bunch of uh, meals for people and there was kids over there that were getting exams done they're eating their chick-fil-a there's um, actually continuing education seminars that are going on the floor as we speak um, there's a tech place over here where you can come in and have people help you with your social media your practice social media not your personal social media um, so it, it's a whole lot different. Um, there's still the educational components of the continuing education, but um, I'm sitting here and there's four or five other podcasters doing their thing here, um, and that's tremendous. So um, it's, a, it's a much more interactive. I know when I used to come to these meetings, I'd walk up and down the aisles, look at instruments, that kind of thing. You can't walk too far where there's a crowd of people either listening to somebody speaking about um, implants over here, um, there was somebody, uh, um, pharmacology things over here, um, it was amazing and it's a whole lot different so if you get a chance um, and, and are able to go to an ADA meeting, man I'd highly recommend it because it's not just the, the garden variety meeting anymore. No, I've enjoyed seeing this transition, I was excited about Las Vegas last year and this has been a great kickoff and we've, I've enjoyed every bit of it so it's nice to see these delight and excite moments as they've been saying throughout the throughout so far yeah we started out a little slow that was our big intro to SmileCon, and coming out of covid we're kind of taking baby steps but we're we're into the full sprint now i think and 
and Orlando next year's um, going to be even better, bigger and better. So um, it's exciting. I hope that we get uh, our dental colleagues out here and, and can enjoy what I'm seeing here, what you're enjoying this weekend. So it's been a pleasure sitting down discussing this with you. I appreciate you taking the time and. Um, like you said, Orlando's going to be fun next year, and this has been a great series uh, doing these in person, so thank you. Yeah, absolutely, Alex. You're the best. Um, I don't know how you took on this role with everything else you got going, um, but I really thank you for that and helping to uh, move our profession further forward. Absolutely. It's, it's been a, a definitely a, a labor of love, and I've been enjoying it, so hopefully the listeners are enjoying it as much as I am. Thank, thank you. you. Remember to keep ethics at the forefront of your daily practice and stay tuned to Sibja Decode's Dental Dilemmas.